All right, we're back here. Hour two of Powercat Game Day. John Kurtz, Derek Young, Cole Manbeck with you ahead of K-State and LSU. Network pregame coverage taking over at 6 o'clock for an 8 o'clock kickoff tonight in Houston. The last actual bowl game of the college football season with only one game remaining afterwards, of course, being the All-SEC National Championship game. We start with the top three storylines of the week, as we do every time in Hour 2. They're brought to you by McCain Auditorium. McCain is back with the Fall 2021 Performance Series. Get your tickets at the McCain box office or online at mccain.kstate.edu. All right, storyline number one, guys, as we go all the way back to the end of the regular season for K-State, which seems like forever ago. It was over a month ago. K-State still was not able to get to that next level. And, Derek, I know we've talked about this a lot. K-State has been stuck in this seven to eight win range, the end of Snyder 2.0, now the beginning of Chris Kleiman's tenure in Manhattan. And at seven and three, they're heading into the final two games of the season with one of those being against Baylor. You felt like, man, they they have an opportunity here to finish nine and three, take a step. Ten win season could be on the table. They had so much momentum. And instead, the regular season just ends with a thud and and you're kind of right back here where they've been. Yeah, and, and it, it, I guess that's where some of the frustration in the fan base likely lies too, because you just feel like you're just you know you're cycling the bike, but you're not going anywhere. You're not taking you know big steps forward, and I think that's the next step for Chris Kleiman and the evolution of his program and what they have to accomplish next. Because especially with the defense that they're assembling for next year and Adrian Martinez, you know, being added at quarterback. I think the expectation, even even if a little bit unrealistic next year, is to get over that proverbial hump that they've missed out on for three years in a row now and to play those meaningful, significant games, whether it be on the road or in Manhattan. I think the, the, I guess the, the floor that people are going to expect next year is like at least, you know, about a nine win season where there seems like there's, you know, quite a few football games on the schedule that have a lot of implications. Yeah, I would echo that, D.Y. Um, certainly disappointing. We talked about earlier, 2019, you dropped three of your last five games. Last year, you dropped your last five games. This year, you dropped the final two games of the regular season. And really, it would be nice to put an end to that and not have that be the storyline of K-State dropping their last three going into the offseason. So a chance to build some momentum here today. Get that eight win, eighth win. You know, you're talking about Kleiman going eight and five in two of his first three seasons with one of those years being a COVID year in between. Uh, I think there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. And then with next year, the ceiling could be even higher, should be even higher. Uh, with DY said, I mean, an opportunity to win nine to 10 games, if they can close out a few additions in the transfer portal at other key positions, uh, they're going to have the most talented roster that they've had in the Chris Kleiman era next season. So a real opportunity here tonight to beat LSU uh, and create some positive momentum going into the offseason and then hopefully make some valuable additions to the roster that could really cement this team uh, for a big run next year for a chance to get to the Big 12 championship. Well, storyline number two, I'm going to switch the order here on your outline, okay? But storyline number two, I'm going to go with piggybacking off of what Cole is saying. It's a great chance to pick off a pretty depleted LSU team, you know? And I think this, this scenario set up about as well as it possibly could have for K-State from an opponent standpoint because you get a brand name that was enough to hold everybody on K-State's roster together to stick around for this extra month of practice to, to play this game. So not only should you have an advantage there from a roster standpoint, but maybe a guy or two that would have transferred decides after, hey, sticking around, and if things go well in the bowl game, maybe I'm just going to stay here at K-State and I wouldn't leave. I think that really helps. And then on the other side, LSU is a team that shouldn't care much about this game. They've had tons of transfers and opt-outs and guys going pro, and they have an interim coach, and everybody is focused on the Brian Kelly era and not what's actually – happening right now. So, D.Y., I just don't know that you could have asked for a better situation than what K-State has in this game right now. No, and, and part of, you know, a good example of that transfer thing that you talked about where, 
it kept the you know the roster engaged, kept them together, avoided more attrition, and maybe yet you're able to convince someone that would have left had they were not playing LSU to stay for another season. That's probably going to be Malik Knowles. And you know, he's had an up and down career where he's probably, you know, underachieved a little bit, mainly because of the offense, but also because, you know, he didn't play his best football this year and has had an injury prone career, even though he kind of avoided that for the most part this season. So um, he becomes a pretty significant piece for next season, and you hope he hits the ceiling of his potential because that just takes the offense to another gear and, and again, puts you in prime position to feel that you're going to be a Big 12 championship contender in 2022. So you couldn't have scripted this better from that standpoint, but, but also because you know we all we know that LSU is pretty depleted and are probably limping to the finish line here and, and don't even have probably a full assemble of a coaching staff either. So a perfect situation for Kansas State, but if they win, you know, it just looks like a win against LSU in the box score, you know, even a month from now. No one's going to remember what the Tigers looked like that day or or how much in shambles their roster indeed was. It, it does a lot. Yeah, and I would just say it, it does a lot more for the K-State football program than what Navy, a victory over Navy, would have done in the 2019 Liberty Bowl, even though that Navy team was ranked, right, guys? I mean, LSU, even at depleted, carries much more name recognition, and this is a game that's on an going to be on an island tonight. There's no other college football being played. It's the second to last game in all of college football for the year. There's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this game. I know it's kind of a late kick, but you know, there's going to be a lot of attention drawn to it. And John, as you alluded to earlier with, with Deuce Vaughn, it's a chance to maybe kick off a Heisman campaign, get some more eyes on him and uh, showcase this football program a little bit more against an LSU team, guys. Uh, let's be honest, they're depleted. Motivation is going to be a key factor, but if you, you still look, they got a lot of talented guys are going to be playing in this game. You know, I looked up and down their depth chart, a lot of four-star guys still. And, you know, over the last three years, each recruiting class has been a top five class in the country. You know, their starting D tackle tonight was the number two ranked player in the 2021 recruiting class in Mason Smith. So they're still going to be rolling talent out, but motivation will be a key factor as well. Well, finally, storyline number three is going to be the offensive coordinator search. It's on. Courtney Messingham is out. Colin Klein gets kind of a dress rehearsal here with the OC job in this game. He'll be calling the plays. I think there are a lot of angles here. One is going to be how likely is it that Colin Klein actually does get the job, D.Y., but two, what does the offense look with him calling the plays? Will it be drastically different? And is there a difference between developing quarterbacks as a position coach and calling plays as an offensive coordinator? Because to be honest, I don't know how you couldn't be disappointed with the development of quarterbacks under Colin Klein based on what we've seen with Will Howard and, and Jake Rubley, who, again, I know faced some adversity in not having a senior season basically of high school, and there were a lot of things working against him there. But there's to me, there's not a whole lot of reason to be very impressed with what's happened development-wise at quarterback. I guess I'm open to seeing if that is different when you're calling the plays and, and kind of flexing a different skill set there as the offensive coordinator. Well, they are different skill sets. So I would say that those those job responsibilities and job requirements are different. Um, you know, as a position coach, it's really just player development. As a coordinator, you're talking about game planning, you know, communicating with the, the staff, uh, communicating with your players, calling plays, you know, you're, you're like, you have to play, you basically have the video game controller on a PlayStation. I think Mike Gundy said something like that before his bowl game when he had new defensive coordinators for that game against Notre Dame. So I think those skill sets are entirely different. Um, I know there's three, three parts of this question too. So in terms of how the offense will look, I don't think it's going to be drastically different. We're going to see maybe there's some different instinctive preferences from Colin Klein than Courtney Messingham would have had. But obviously if Chris Kleiman wants to go forward on fourth down, they're going to go for it on fourth down. That's not going to be up to Colin Klein. But what plays does he kind of resort to in those 
pressure pack moments. I think that that's probably maybe what is the most different. But I mean, the playbook's not changing, especially not in a three or four week you know time period. I don't think you'll see that all that many wrinkles. Now, if he ends up being off to permanently, maybe he does get some freedom and liberty to uh, add some new things in, make some more wrinkles, take some things out. But that remains to be seen. I think Chris Kleiman probably has an image of what his offense looks like. I would like to see them have more pace. Um, I don't know if we will, but I think that would you know change things dramatically for Kansas State, probably on the good side of things. So I hope that's one of the modifications that he maybe relents on a little bit. In terms of Colin Klein's likelihood, uh, and, you know, being the off-the-quainer, this is a dress rehearsal of sorts, but this isn't the only part of the dress rehearsal, right? This is one night, one game, three hours. That's a big part of it, and that should, that is, but that's really just the result of your work as an offensive coordinator the last three or four weeks. And Chris Kleiman's been able to watch that, you know, with the, you know, front row seat for for about a month now. And I think that that's what sometimes we get lost on. It's like it's not just game day because game day is typically a result of the work the offensive coordinator put in for three or four weeks. Yeah, I would add, D.Y., you just hit on exactly what I was going to say and that these last three-plus weeks of practice time and game preparation is probably what Chris Kleiman was watching most closely with how Colin Klein interact with the players and the game plan that he put in and all the preparation that goes into that. So, yeah, I, I think there's a decent chance it's going to be Colin Klein at offensive coordinator, but whoever it is, D.Y., you talked about it, I'd just like to see a little more modernization to the offense and, you know, whether it's mixing up, you know, at least the pace every now and then you don't have to go fast all game, but maybe on a drive or two, or you get a first down on the, the first drive, you know, you, you speed it up for a couple series. I, I don't know. I just, you need to do something to get guys a little more excited, juiced that they need more talent on the offensive side of the football. And it's very hard to get receivers um, and talented skill position guys to come to Kansas state with the pace of play they run and the offense that they run currently. And so I'm not saying Chris Clement is completely overall his system, but you know, just be a little more flexible. You know, he was flexible with his defense this year. They made the change to the three-man front. I'd like to see something, you know, similar where they show some flexibility and trust to let the offensive coordinator implement a little bit of his own uh, style into this and, uh, you know, help K-State land a few more weapons at the skill positions in doing so. Well, let's hear what the man has to say himself. Colin Klein is brought to you by Manhattan Regional Airport. Fly safe, fly local, fly MHK. Book your flight today at flymhk.com. Here is, for now, K-State's offensive coordinator, Colin Klein. What's this experience been like for you, Colin? Oh, it's been a tremendous honor, first of all. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, shoot, it's kind of been a, uh, you know, tough situation at times a little bit, you know, but, um, you know, it's about finishing strong, and, and it's been a great opportunity for, uh, for growth and learning, and, and the main focus is, has been trying to, again, just finish for our seniors and, uh, you know, execute well, have a good plan, and, and so they're able to play fast and, and uh, finish this thing the right way. Coach Kleiman said yesterday that he just wanted you to have fun. Is this fun in a way? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, shoot, as, as, a, as a player, as a coach, as a kid, I mean, you, you know, it's, uh, it's always something you dream about is, of being able to, uh, you know, call a game, you know, and, and uh, just, again, uh, honored and humbled that, uh, you know, he's given me the opportunity and, and just want to focus and finish for the team. How are you able to mix up the offense this late in the season with just a month to, to work with? You know, not too much. I mean, we've we've done a couple things, but um, you know, we're again, it's it's about trying to keep things as uh, as simple as possible while still uh, making a few tweaks here and there, just so they can play fast and, and play confident and, and finish this thing. Coach Snyder lets you call your own plays on the field. Do you think that helps you now? 
you know, I think it's something as, as a quarterback, you just, it's kind of part of you. You know, you're constantly thinking that way. And, and uh, no, there's no doubt it absolutely helped. Every, every rep and opportunity you get like that adds to your experiences for sure. You've been in a previous position with previous staff. What was your learning experience from that? You know, I, I think uh, the more you learn, the more you can learn, the more you realize that there is to learn, um, you know, and so I think that's been, uh, it's been, it's been great for me getting a new system around new ball, around really good football coaches, um, you know, being around mess. I mean, mess was uh, phenomenal for me and, and uh, a dear friend and, and really helped me grow a lot. And so, uh, you know, being around all these guys and uh, different system, learning, growing is, is, has been re- very good. How comfortable is it to have an experienced quarterback to, to call plays for? That helps. There's no doubt. Uh, no, it's Skyler and I have obviously have worked together for a long time and are very close and um, trying to send him out the right way. What has Skyler meant to you? Uh, I don't know if we got time for all that. But uh, but no, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal young man. Uh, his maturity, his toughness, his consistency is um, working with him every day is, has been, uh, he's impacted me as much as I hope I've impacted him, truly. And he's, uh, he, he's, he's a special one. Does the running back situation look now that you've had a couple transfers before this game? Yeah, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're aware of and on top of, but uh, obviously Deuce has been very durable and he's, he's played a lot of snaps, so I'm uh, going to ride him and, and uh, you know, he'll carry us. And, and uh, you know, Chippers has done a good job, Jordan's done a good job with us, and and uh, you know he's ready to go. So after this game's over, if, if Coach Clement considers you for the full-time gig, what would that mean to you? You know, I'm not worried about that right now. I truly, I, I want to finish. I want to play as good a game as we possibly can, as clean a game as we possibly can, and and however it ends up going from there, you know, that's uh, that's in the Lord's hands, and whatever happens, happens. But it's about K-State and what's best for K-State and finishing this thing right. Finish out this thing right. I mean, um, what do you see in Skyler this week? Uh, first of all, I'm just so grateful that he has that opportunity. Um, you know, and, and uh, the student athlete journey and experience is, is full of, of a lot of ups and downs, you know, and so being able to finish and have a chance to play and compete one more time, uh, you know, I'm really happy for him that he gets to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, just getting after it is, is a big part of that, but, uh, um, you know, we got to make sure that we're, you know, on our stuff too. So, What's the, what's the dynamic like in these offensive meetings now where, like, you know, it used to be you and, like, Coach Anderson and Coach Riley were the same, and now you're kind of technically, you're, you know, you're their boss? Yeah, no, it's, you know, it, it's a group effort. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was before as well, which is which has helped that, obviously. And and all of us know, and, and, and I'm so fortunate to, to be around such high-character people that they know it's about the team, they know it's about these kids, and uh, making sure that we finish this thing the right way and, and uh, you know, make it the best we can. I'd appreciate Colin taking some time for the media earlier this week in Houston. We roll on here on Powercat Game Day coming up next. We'll get to the uh, personnel update situations. I'm not sure there's a whole lot of that going on for K-State right now, but we'll also get a deep dive on the LSU offense and defense from Cole coming up next on Powercat Game Day. Follow us on Twitter at Powercat Game Day and join us in the pregame conversation. Powercat Game Day continues next. The doctors at Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center have been the K-State Wildcats' trusted team physicians for almost 40 years. The skilled and professional staff at OSMC are available for all of your orthopedic needs. Located at 1600 Charles Place, we offer complete orthopedic care from diagnosis, surgery, physical therapy, fall prevention, and return to activity to get you back to your active lifestyle. Visit us online at kansasortho.com. Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center, the greatest comebacks begin here. 
Whether you're reimagining your backyard or transforming a few acres into a field of dreams, let Prairie Land Partners show you how easy and affordable it is to own a John Deere. Go to prairielandpartners.com, click on the PLP Builder to build, price, and buy a compact utility tractor, mower, gator, or skid steer. Get started today at prairielandpartners.com. Delivering the right solution. Powercat Game Day continues. John Kurtz, Derek Young, Cole Manbeck, the crew with you here. We'll go under further review later on this segment and get a deep dive on the LSU offense and defense from Cole, which is a little tricky to do with the personnel situation that LSU is faced with. But when it comes to K-State's personnel, nobody has opted out. Everybody on the roster wants to play this game, which is great news for the Wildcats. And typically here we play the injury slash COVID update game with D.Y., I guess we can start, Derek, with, with COVID. It doesn't seem like K-State's had any real issues with that, uh, somewhat miraculously, as cases spike everywhere. Yeah, I, at least nothing on a significant note. I mean, Chris Kleiman did say that they had a couple or, or a few not make the trip or hadn't even made the trip as of uh, was it Sunday night was the Rodeo Bowl, I believe, So uh, or maybe that was Saturday night. I can't remember. But either way, there was a few, but nothing has really came across, you know, I guess my desk that it's anyone that would normally be playing. Now, outside of that, I think the guy that people wonder about here is Skylar Thompson. It was not always a certainty necessarily that he would play in this game after missing the end of the regular season at Texas, but it seems like all things are good to go on that front. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, even Chris Kleiman said, and I have been hearing it, that he's the healthiest that he's been all year, which is, you know, a very good sign. And hopefully that, that allows us to see the best Skylar Thompson that we've seen in his career. It would be great to go out on a positive note and, and not the one like we saw from Brock Purdy. So hopefully it's a little bit of a, you know, a flip the script on that one. Before we get to Khalid Duke and Adrian Martinez, a couple of guys that will be back or playing next year for K-State, that Chris Kleiman, I know, spoke about. Um, Jerome McPherson, Sincere Mason, I guess a couple of guys from this current team. Uh, any worry about them playing in this game? I don't think Sincere Mason's going to play. I, I think that injury that he suffered was pretty significant, and that's why you know Kleiman had said that he's probably out for the year. I think you just hope that he's – if he returns, I assume he returns, but we'll see what, you know, his decision is for an extra year of eligibility that, you know, he can be ready by fall camp. I think that might, that timeline could be pushing it for Jerome McPherson. This is also his last game as a wildcat. Uh, he, he missed some time because of his injury at home against, against Baylor. I think he'll be available um, tonight, but I, I can't say that with a hundred percent certainty. There hasn't been a lot of chatter on it, which kind of leads me to believe that it's probably not an issue. Okay. And as for Khalid Duke, obviously coming back from the injury that he suffered early on in the Nevada game, I believe that was. Uh, and then Adrian Martinez, who is transferring in at quarterback for K-State, but had a shoulder injury to end the year for Nebraska. What, what is the status of those two? Yeah, I think uh, they'll, they'll both miss uh, spring ball to an extent. I think Khalid Duke is probably not going to be ready for spring ball, but he's supposed to be full go by fall camp. And there's no any lingering concerns, at least at the moment of him returning back to the form that he was. We've seen, you know, some injuries in the past where players just aren't themselves afterwards. I think we saw that with Justin Hughes. I think we're seeing that kind of right now with TJ Smith and certainly Shabaston Taylor. Um, there, there is not a worry that Khalid Duke's going to join that company. I think they believe him to make a full recovery and to, you know, morph back into the athletic monster that he was. In terms of Adrian Martinez, I didn't think there was any chance that he was going to do anything in spring ball, but Chris Kleiman kind of relieved the, or alleviated those fears by saying that Adrian Martinez is probably going to be able to do some things during spring ball. Um, probably not contact, but it sounded like they're going to have him throwing even at that point, which I think is 
probably a lot more optimistic than what people were even hoping, um, you know, in the best interest. So I, I think that's probably a good sign that maybe the surgery that he had on his shoulder is not, you know, a big issue that some thought it might be. Love to hear that. Really love to hear that. So pretty positive injury update section of the show here. And uh, look, Cole, you, you better be positive as well in talking about the LSU offense against the K-State defense because we don't know who's going to play quarterback for LSU necessarily right now. They're in an interesting situation. They're trying to appeal to the NCAA to not have a redshirt burn for a scholarship kid that's left. K-State defense should have an advantage here, right, without the leading rusher for the Tigers as well who's, who's opted out. I think that's a big deal too, John. Ty Davis Price opted out just a few days ago to announce that he's going to declare for the draft and prepare for the NFL draft. And so he is not going to play. And, you know, he's a guy that really helped change LSU's running game. And that's really where they shifted, you know, where things kind of swung earlier this year. So, you know, through the first five games, he ran the ball 45 times uh, for 140 yards rushing, 28 yards per game. And then the last seven games, he had 863 yards on the ground on 166 carries, 5.2 yards per carry, 123 123 yards per rut or game on the ground. And so they got the running game going a little bit with Ty Davis Price. He's not going to play. They're going to go to Corey Kiner, who actually got the majority of the carries the first few games of the year when their running game was really struggling. Now, LSU is not a good running team, though, even with those numbers with Ty Davis Price. I mean, they're averaging 3.2 yards per carry on the ground which is 120th in the country out of 130 FBS teams. There's only three power five teams that have been worse at running the ball this year. And really their offensive line is a problem guys. I mean, I've watched multiple LSU games this year. They're not very good up front. They allow a lot of QB pressures, a lot of QB hurries. And in fact, they're 101st in the country and sack rate allowed uh, at 8.1% over the last three games to end the season, they were giving up a sack rate of 10% of their drop back attempts uh, so there's some weaknesses up front, and I think Felix and Adike Uzama uh, will be able to help exploit some of those weaknesses. I think K-State can get pressure on them, especially with a quarterback. We don't know who it's going to be. They list Tavion Falk as the backup, who's a walk-on freshman. They've got Garrett Nussmeyer, the freshman quarterback, true freshman quarterback, that they've applied for a waiver to play in this game without burning his red shirt. They list him as the starter right now, but we, we don't know for sure if he got the waiver approved, he's going to play. This would be his fifth game of the year. That's a kid that's a four-star recruit, the seventh-ranked quarterback, pro-style-ranked quarterback in the country, the 80th-ranked player in the overall nationally. Uh, so very talented kid, but he's a true freshman. I, I don't know what grounds LSU has to get a waiver approved. I don't understand that at all, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And then one, one more quick thing. They're very talented at receiver still. So they three of their top four pass catchers are freshmen, but they're lengthy. They got six three, six four kids out there. Uh, they have some weapons that are going to be on the outside that's going to challenge K State secondary, depending on who can get the ball to them. Well, I would all, I would also to, sorry, John. According to the athletic, the waiver was denied. By the way. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that is that is good news uh, for K State. That'll put LSU in a tough position. Defensively, I always think of LSU as, as having a bunch of dudes, right? A lot of talent. Uh, how much of that is is still around in, in the shell crew that they have? Yeah, I mean, Damone Clark and Neil Farrell, Damone Clark's their leading tackler, at 136 tackles on the year um, and led the team with five and a half sacks. He's their, their senior linebacker. He opted out of the bowl game, so he's not going to play. Neil Farrell's their sixth leading tackler. He's one of their best D linemen. He's not going to play in this game either, but I mentioned earlier, Mason Smith, a six foot six, 300 pound true freshman defensive tackle, was the number one ranked defensive tackle and number two overall player in the country in the 2021 recruiting class. He's their starting nose tackle up front. Uh, so he's obviously going to present some challenges for K-State's offensive line. Uh, but you, you look at their depth chart 
And they list two corners at one of the cornerback positions and then only one corner without a backup listed at the other corner position. Uh, and one of those corners listed is a freshman. The other is a Nichols, a transfer from Nichols. And the third corner listed on the depth chart is a former walk-on. So they're pretty depleted in the secondary. I think there's some opportunities for K-State to do some things in the passing game. Uh, you know, the running defense, they allowed 4.1 yards per carry this year. That's not awful. And really, if you if you look at it, guys, this is what was a little bit surprising. They held Alabama to 20 points earlier this year. The lowest, the fewest points by far that Alabama had in a game this year. They held Brian Robinson to 18 yards rushing on 13 carries. The same Brian Robinson for Alabama who had 200 plus yards against Cincinnati in the college football playoff semifinal. And they held Alabama to a total of six yards rushing on 26 carries in that game. They also, the game following that, held Arkansas, which is a very talented offensive team, to 16 points, held them in check. So, yeah, they've got some guys that have opted out, but they actually have defended the run, especially the last four games of the year. They were really good against the run, and they've they played much better defense. So we'll see if that carries over. But, again, they've lost so many guys, it's hard to know if they're going to be able to carry any momentum over to that side of the ball. Yeah, LSU is the ultimate case study in in what bowl games have really turned into now, where you just you have no idea what it is to expect. Don't always have an idea what to expect in under further review either, which is brought to you by Midwest Dream Car Collection. See over 100 years of automotive history from classics to exotic supercars. Plan your visit at MidwestDreamCarCollection.com. It is time to go under further review. And there were some things going on in sports today that will make your brain fall out of your skull. And the winner... Of the Heisman Trophy. I think you can build an offense around a guy who throws like Edward Scissorhands. We're going to play a hell of a lot of defense. You blew it. Under further review. Okay, so we have been putting a lot of optimism out there for the Wildcats heading into next season. If I were to set the over-under at seven and a half wins next year for K-State, are you guys going over or under? I, I would definitely go over to duplicate this season next year, I think would be a disappointment. I, I think it needs to be more than seven wins. Yeah, I'm taking the over on that as well. Uh, I think this is a team that's going to get eight plus wins next year. So I, I bet heavy on the over. I will lean over. I, I hope, I certainly think there's the opportunity for there to be a better season in place next year. But now, if basically a lot of this hinges on Adrian Martinez, if he continues to be a really turnover pro quarterback and the same guy that was at Nebraska, I think you would still struggle to get there. So I think it's closer than you guys make it out to be, but I, I would still hit the over there for uh, for K State. If you're hiring a coach tomorrow, DY, would you rather have Brent Venables or Lincoln Riley? Lincoln Riley. I mean, he's he's a lot more proven as a head coach. He's almost won a national title a couple of different times, and he's probably the brightest. I know Brent Venables is the brightest defensive mind football. Lincoln Riley is the brightest offensive mind football. Um, both great recruiters, but one guy's actually done it before, and the other one hasn't. So I think that's kind of easy for me that I would take Lincoln Riley. Yeah, I would take Lincoln Riley in a heartbeat on this. What? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not. Brent Venables, oh. as you guys. No, no. Brent Venables this was set up for Cole. <laughs> Brent Venables is dead to me, guys. All right, that, that relationship is completely over. I'd like to know how I'm getting targeted on social media. When he got hired, I, I got targeted by Twitter somehow. Every video about Brent Venables was appearing on my timeline. It made me very angry. All right. I, I do not appreciate Brent Venables anymore. And I have no interest. And I hope that things go poorly at Oklahoma. Wow. Well, I mean, I, I do too, for the record. Uh, I, I would choose Lincoln Riley in a heartbeat. And part of the reason I asked this question was to see what Cole would do. But also, because Oklahoma fans seem convinced that Brent Venables is the guy. They, they seem convinced that that is better than Lincoln Riley. But we all know what's happened here is for the first time, Oklahoma got dumped. 
Oklahoma has to be the jilted lover for the first time ever. And guess what? They responded and acted predictably immaturely, just like every other fan base in the country. So isn't it, it ironic, very funny to watch. Isn't it ironic that they're so appreciative about Brent Venables back, yet they were so happy to run him out of town. Oh, yeah. Did, and Mike's did. You know, this is what agitates me. Brent Venables goes to Oklahoma. Kansas State's his alma mater. He grew up in Salina. You know, he goes to Oklahoma. He's saying, you know, I'm home. I'm home. You know, they ran you out of town. All right. I, I, Bob Stoops chose Mike Stoops over here. Now you're sitting by Bob Stoops. You're acting like your best friends. Uh, the whole thing bothers me. Look, he had opportunities to come back to K-State and, you know, he chose Oklahoma. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was shocked that he wanted to be, if he wanted to be a head coach, I'm just very surprised he wants the stress of Oklahoma from what I know. So uh, I don't think it's going to go well, honestly. Here's a follow-up question. Would you rather have Lincoln Riley or Brian Kelly? Ooh. Uh, I would probably still go Lincoln Riley, and but I think it's a lot closer. I think Brian Kelly's actually pretty good coach and better than what some realize, and, and as we're probably going to find that out at LSU. But just I get squeamish taking Brian Kelly just because I think he's really kind of a poor person. So I got to go Lincoln Riley since with all things being equal. Yeah, I'm taking Lincoln Riley as well, and I can't get on board with Brian Kelly after seeing that video of him with the quarterback commit a couple weeks ago and the dancing. Yeah, that, that just really the fake southern me. accent. Oh yeah, that 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 sours me on him. Look, and part of it, honestly, guys, if you're looking at you know where they're located, I, I think Lincoln Riley is just going to crush it at USC. I mean, I think they're going to win Pac-12 title every single year. He's going to dominate recruiting out on the West Coast, and as a result, I, I think Kelly is going to struggle a little more in the SEC. I think Lincoln Riley is going to, you know, have USC in the top 10 in the country every season out there. Counterpoint, Brian Kelly is at a place that is a good enough job in which Ed Orgeron and Les Miles can both win national championships at it. So, uh, look, I would still rather have Lincoln Riley, but I think if we're talking about who's winning a national championship faster, as much as I love Lincoln, I think Brian Kelly has the easier path there. Uh, I think they're both good coaches, but one was responsible for Declan Sullivan, too, so... Yes, that's, uh, that's not great. Um, finally, most impressive Brock Purdy turnover of his career, of which this is an incredible list. The falling down pick slash fumble six against TCU last year. The batting it forward pick six against Clemson. The fumbling backwards to end the Clemson game on a turnover on downs for the uh, Oklahoma helmet fumble six with a ball shot back about 30 yards. Oh, boy. Those are all good. I think the two best might have happened in the bowl game against Clemson. I think the one where he batted the ball for a big six. I I, I can't get over that one. I would take that. Yeah, I, I was shocked watching that unfold. I, I didn't realize initially it was Brock Purdy that batted the ball forward, you know, like a volleyball player spiking it right to the defender. I, th- that has to rank number one for me. I think number two would be the one against TCU last year where <laughs> he no-looked through it backwards. That was crazy. Uh, but... Yeah, I would say the uh, number one would be the one against Clemson. Yeah, uh, I don't think it gets much better than that, batting it forward. And I'm still not unconvinced that he wasn't trying to bat it forward to his tight end who was standing around there as opposed to bat it down. But uh, I digress. Either way, it was a very, very Brock Purdy into the season and into his career uh, in the cheese bowl All right, a couple more segments left. We'll find out about pick six. And we don't even really know who won yet pick six. We'll explain coming up next on Powercat Game Day. The game is just the beginning. Get post-game video highlights and exclusive analysis online at powercatgameday.com. Hey there, Wildcat fans. It's time to score the savings at your Manhattan Hy-Vee. The more K-State scores against LSU, the more you save at the pump on Wednesday, January 5th. If the Wildcats score 21 points, earn 21 cents off per gallon of gas with a $21 purchase. Score 35 points, earn 35 cents off per gallon of gas with a $35 purchase, and so on. The more they score, the more you save at your Manhattan Hy-Vee. Go Cats! Hi-Vee. 
The challenge flag has been thrown. It's taken the ref a long time to review the play. This may not be good. Oh, wait. Here he comes. Al Langdon Insurance can save them hundreds of dollars. No penalty, but we highly recommend them see Robbie or Kate today for a quote. Has it been a while since you've had your insurance reviewed? Give Al Langdon Insurance a call today for auto, renters, homeowner, or life insurance. Al Langdon Insurance. They know insurance, so you don't have to. 776-4091 or on the web at langtonins.com. And don't forget to like them on Facebook. Back here on Powercat Game Day, I am John Kurtz, joined by Cole Manbeck and Derek Young, and this is typically the part of the show where we would be running pick six. Uh, obviously, we can't really do that anymore. There's only one other game left in college football to pick besides K-State happening today, uh, that being the national championship game. This is typically where we would uh, crown our champion, but I don't know that we can do it yet. We may have to get creative here because the final standings look like this. Derek and I finished 32 and 34, picking against the spread, by the way. Okay, so that's not, that's not that terrible. Cole was 31 and 35, and a part of what really screwed Cole over is that he picked differently than D.Y. and I on the Oklahoma game, which was the last one that we picked, Bedlam. But the spread was four, and it wound up being a four-point margin of victory, so we got a push. So Cole had no chance there to, uh, to tie us and make it some sort of crazy three-way tie Cole, I guess right now you, you have the floor if you want to provide a concession speech. And then um, I don't know if you have like a, a trivia question or if Derek and I are just going to have to guess what number you're thinking of between one and 10 to see who, who actually wins the thing. here. Well, I would uh, first of all say that I, I believe this is my worst record in uh, picking games since we started doing this show together six years ago. Of course, we used to pick them a few years ago just straight up, which was much easier. So I'm, I'm embarrassed by my performance, especially the way I finished the season uh, the last few weeks picking horribly uh, for you guys. I mean, I, I don't have any great clever ideas uh, on what would settle the tiebreaker. I mean, maybe we could have you, uh, we could have you pick the national championship via the spread here right now. And uh, we'll just remember who won that, who picked what, I guess that would only be a one game though. And you guys might pick the same thing there too. So that, that might not work either. I'm, I'm just rambling here. I, I don't have any great ideas. Eric, unless you have something else, I think Cole just needs to think of a number between one and 10. And we just have to, we have to guess, have a little guess off here. Mm, I got nothing. Okay. All right. I, I've got a number. I've got a number in my head. Uh, I was going to say you guys could run like a 40 yard dash against each other and post it on social media, <laughs> but uh, I'd, I'd pull a hammy. Yeah. I'm also right. well, yeah, I'm not very fast. I don't I don't know that, that would go well for me. Well, all right. Well, you, you could make DY do a uh, CrossFit thing with you, John, and see if he survives. <laughs> well, I mean, that would yeah. Listen, that'd be awesome. I mean, then it's over. Um, <laughs> be entertaining uh, for you too. Well, I have a number in my head, so uh, uh, between one and ten. So I'll, I'll let Three. you guys guess. Three. Wow, I I can't even go first. Do I just have to jump the gun and butt in there and do it right away? Yeah, you're the host. You go last. Oh, what if three was going to be my answer? All right. Uh, go three and a half. There you go. <laughs> okay. Well, just to strategically box you out of as many numbers as possible, I'm going to go four. So my, my number would be four, Cole. Uh, what was the number? 
Congratulations, Sean. You've won. The number was six. Hey! Uh, and I believe DY made a strategic error by going with going first and taking a lower number, giving you seven numbers on the wider range of spectrum. Uh, so to, to win from there. So you, you got him with the price is right. It was just a going away present. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it because I don't, Cole, I don't think I've ever actually, I don't think I've won before, have I? Uh, I, I don't recall. I, I don't believe you did um i feel like stanton weber our first year doing this made a trophy or plaque for himself for him winning he, he did took it very very serious um but uh yeah i don't i don't know if you'd ever won before so this is big time for you yeah i think like you Corey, and stanton have always been the ones to win and in uh six years it is my first title so wow what a, what a day this is what a day this turned into man I feel good about this. I'm going to have to, uh, you know, and what it makes up for, D.Y., is the fact that you stuffed the ballot box to win that that random, um, I forget what the account is that put it out there, but that that's uh, best K-State Twitter journalist poll or whatever that uh, I was winning until all of a sudden you retweeted and then, you know, your army of Russian bots came in and swayed the vote. Uh, yeah, uh, I couldn't lose that one. That was important. Well, okay. And you do get some actual hardware for that. So I, I guess I'm going to have to make something up uh, for this, this pick six plaque. You know, I've set up this little area in my apartment now with my, some of my old broadcasting plaques on the wall behind me. I'm going to have to get the pick six champion one uh, made up to put up there as well. How's, how good is Cole at woodworking? <laughs> yeah, Cole, can you whip something up for me? Well, I made a, a beautiful desk in my parents' basement and wood shop in high school, uh, as well as a gigantic entertainment center that weighs about 500 pounds now and is uh, useless. So I, I do have some woodworking skills, but uh, it's been a long time, and I can't promise that I would not lose a finger. Okay. Well, that's fine with me. I mean, as long as I get a plaque, that's, that's what really matters. Okay. Well, I will I will try. And by try, I mean, I'll probably go online and uh, try to find some some place that makes like a $10 plaque for you, John, and we'll just start having names engraved for each. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Perfect. I love it. All right. One final segment here on Power Cake Game Day. We'll give you what to watch for and a prediction on K-State LSU coming up next. The Wildcat Nation listens to Power Cat Game Day. Whether you're reimagining your backyard or transforming a few acres into a field of dreams, let Prairie Land Partners show you how easy and affordable it is to own a John Deere. Go to prairielandpartners.com. Click on the PLP Builder to build, price, and buy a compact utility tractor, mower, gator, or skid steer. Get started today at prairielandpartners.com. Delivering the right solution. Prairie Land Partners. Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center offers innovative, cutting-edge physical therapy. From blood flow restriction rehabilitation, dry needling, DARI-A biochemical movement analysis, fall prevention, and return to sport, OSMC Physical Therapy has over 75 years of combined treatment experience and deliver a successful and positive outcome while making the rehabilitation process pleasant and enjoyable. At Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Physical Therapy, no referrals are needed to schedule your therapy appointment. For more information, visit us at kansasortho.com. PowerCat Game Day's What to Watch For. It's brought to you by Spirits of 76 Liquor Superstore. Come get some of the good stuff and raise a glass with your friends. Spirits of 76 Liquor Superstore on Highway 24 in Wamego. What are we watching for, Cole? I think Skylar Thompson's going to go out on a real high note here in this game. You, you look at LSU's secondary 
uh, and especially at the cornerback position, guys, they only list three corners total on their depth chart at both the cornerback positions, a two deep at one, and then just a single corner at the opposite corner position. And one of those is a freshman. A second one is a transfer from Nichols. And the third corner listed is Lloyd Cole, who's a walk-on, uh, a former walk-on for LSU. So I think there's going to be some real opportunities for K-State to exploit them in the passing game. I think Skylar Thompson's going to you know, rebound after his struggles against Baylor and uh, go out on a high note. I think K-State's offense will really get the ball moving against this LSU D. I like, I like that. Mine, mine would be tackling. When, anytime when you have a kind of a long layoff like this, and, and Kansas State was actually a little bit longer because they played on Friday, not Saturday against Texas, and then played in the last bowl game of the season. So this is a very long layoff for the Wildcats, and anytime you have that long layoff, there's tackling issues. Uh, that's typically pretty common, tackling and penalties. Really, so I would watch out for tackling, especially since you would have to think the LSU is going to be pretty inspired and motivated to run the ball more than pass with not having a scholarship quarterback for this game being available. Um, there's even talks about a wide receiver playing out of the wildcat for most of their offensive plays um, later tonight. So I would think tackling is probably probably a big deal tonight for K-State, especially with the long layoff. Yeah, and you know that LSU is going to have athletes, right, guys, that, that could break tackles. And I think you know, two things come to mind to me here. One is just the obvious. I think in bowl games, it's always like motivation. Who's motivated to play? We know that K-State should be motivated. LSU, the only thing I can come up with there is if, if you do have a bunch of young guys that are motivated to go play for Brian Kelly, as in like, hey, let me impress the new coach so that I can earn some more playing time here. Or if it's someone that's thinking about transferring, like put out some good tape there. Uh, maybe that does turn into some real motivation for uh, LSU. Maybe they buy into like, hey, we're going to have to play a Wildcat quarterback most of this game. Let's let's go out and prove that we can do this. I would have my doubts, but I think that is something to watch for and that should be pretty apparent early on, uh, like how much LSU cares and how much they want to be there. I would also just add, if we're talking about actual uh, tangible things that happen between the, the white lines, the pass rush, K-State needs to get after whoever's going to play quarterback. If it's going to be Garrett Nussmeyer and they're going to blow the red shirt anyway, um, or if it's going to be a Wildcat quarterback, K-State should have opportunities there for Felix and D game company. The LSU offensive line was 103rd in the country in sack rate. They gave up sacks on 8.1% of dropbacks this year. So K-State should have an opportunity there with a pretty good pass rush. I would think that the Wildcats will be able to uh, live in the LSU backfield a little bit and uh, help out the back end of the defense with that. So now we come to the final prediction of the year. Cole, will K-State get to 8-5 and five with a victory over the Tigers? I do, and I think this is going to be a, uh, I shouldn't say relatively easily, but I think the, the final score uh, is going to be 14-plus points. I mean, I would take K-State to win this game 31-17. to 17. I think LSU is going to struggle to score in this game. Uh, I, I expect K-State to win convincingly. Yeah, I'm Kansas State 30-16. to 16. I think it's a two-touchdown win as well. I mean, we're, we're hearing reports now that you know LSU may have as, as few as 39 scholarship players. None of those are a cool quarterback. Um, I think they only have one scholarship running back. You would think points are going to be hard to come by for them. I think their defense will be able to generally have a play well against Kansas State, but at some point the dam probably breaks and, and how much they care about the game, and, and that's where K-State can probably really extend the lead. Yeah, I feel very confident in K-State. I'm going to be a little more conservative on the score and say 27-20, to 20. Um, but I, I do think it's a game K-State should win. I think it's a game K-State will win. I think LSU is depleted enough. Um, not enough motivation there to, to make me believe that, that case they would win this game. And by the way, LSU at full strength with full motivation this year was not a not a great team or anything to write home about either. 
Um, so that is the starting point on all of this as well. So yeah, I'll take K-State 27 to 20. We all feel pretty good about a Wildcat victory and honestly would head into the offseason with some legitimate momentum based on the transfers that have come in uh, through the portal so far as well. But that's going to wrap it up here this season for Powercat Game Day. Uh, appreciate everybody that has followed along here, certainly over the last six years doing Powercat Game Day. It has been a privilege and uh, really enjoyed the opportunity to bring that to you. Not exactly sure what it's going to look like when things fire up once again next year, but uh, rest assured you will still get Powercat Game Day in some form or fashion. So for Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, their help throughout the year, obviously much appreciated. Same with Stephen Schaefer behind the scenes who is always grinding away to make sure that the show sounds good and gets on the air appropriately. Thank you to everybody. Enjoy your offseason. Take care and go Cats against LSU. Powercat Game Day is brought to you by Prairie Land Partners, your local John Deere dealer with 15 locations throughout Kansas and Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center. Get back in the game with the same doctors trusted by Kansas State online at kansasortho.com. Stay tuned, Wildcat fans. K-State Football Network coverage is coming up next. Mark Twain once said that too much of anything is bad, but too much good whiskey is barely enough. Indeed. At Spirits of 76 in Walmigo, they believe that since the time of our forefathers, interesting times have called for interesting drinks with our friends. So from sea to shining sea, or from tailgate parking lot to backyard cookout, Spirits of 76 has the bottles of whiskey, wine, and beer to make your drink a glorious one. So let's raise a toast, but make sure it's some of the good stuff. From Spirits of 76, Spirits of 76 Liquor Superstore in Walmigo. When it's time to get back on board, you need to feel safe and secure. From check-in to baggage claim, you'll find more sanitation stations, social distancing, and other flyer-friendly measures to make your next travel experience your best one yet. All with the same shorter lines and closer-to-home convenience. Fly local, fly safe, fly MHK. Book your travel today at flymhk.com.